Welcome to the Red Rain Podcast. Here is your host from Revenge of the Birds, Walter Mitchell. Thank you, Kyle Little Rock Ledbetter from Sacktown, CA. Great to be back with you, everyone. Um, took the week off last week. Had some internet problems, Wi-Fi problems. <laughs> I've been writing articles from McDonald's the last few days. <laughs> Man, it's, it, it is so you know, upending <laughs> to not have Wi-Fi in your own workspace and, um, and uh, getting caught up and everything. So I'm, I'm happy to be back uh, online. I'm happy to have internet in my home. And um, I'm real happy to be rejoining with you um, today uh, to talk more about the Cardinals. Uh, my thesis today is I'm going to provide some reasons why it is my opinion that uh, Buda Baker and Kyler Murray cannot coexist in Arizona. And I want to preface my remarks by saying that in many ways, I don't this isn't a kyler hating thing i i'm not i'm not a kyler hater i mean in fact i would love to see him turn the page and um you know uh forge back uh with with a passion um and uh you know kind of reverse the 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 trending dialogues about him and i and i even if he gets traded, I will be watching him with keen interest the rest of his career because um, I admire his talent. But I think that what was what's untenable right now in the Cardinals organization is Kyler's contract. I think it sets a terrible precedent for the entire team, not just Buda Baker but the entire team, when you're incentivizing someone to just show up to the tune of $9.5 or $10 million and then giving him $4.5 million in showing up for and playing in games. Um, you know, other players, those are the highest totals in the NFL, not just for the Cardinals. Uh, that creates a double standard that I – that is going to tear down team morale. I mean, imagine at your workplace, if you know, you're expected to be at work at nine at 9 a.m. sharp every day, and sometimes being called in on a Saturday, for example, and suddenly you learn that one of your colleagues is being incentivized to show up at nine o'clock and getting bonuses that you don't get, you are expected to do. And then on the Saturdays, he's being paid extra um, to show up, which none of you are. Um, it's just human nature. Double standards, you know, don't galvanize groups. They divide them. And in many um aspects of this contract i do not blame kyler murray i don't and this is what bothers me i think that kyler got some terrible advice from eric burkhart his agent 
Kyler has even said, or, you know, that Burkhart, quote-unquote, put a lot on me. I think Burkhart opened a, a Pandora's box of negativity towards Kyler that Kyler's still having to face every day. Now, Kyler didn't help himself when he heeded Burkhart's advice of scrapping his, his socials. Um, you know, that's on Kyler. There are some, some things that are on Kyler, um, for sure. But a lot of this, I mean, you know, I, I'll give you a, a, an example. I was hired by a school to try to turn around a football program that hadn't won a game in three or four years. And um, it was at a school where the faculty was hoping they would de-emphasize athletics and in favor of promoting academics. Um, and I'm always a, was a big fan of both, promoting both. So one of the th things that, land, that got me interested in the job is that they offered me a faculty house um, for free, free rent. Um, on top of my salary. And um, it was this little cottage on a lake. It was beautiful. Um, and 15 minutes from downtown Boston. You know, and I was so excited about that. I was like, it was like living like Henry David Thoreau at Walden Pond with the, with the perks of having Boston right down the road um, and all the, you know, the culture of Boston. So, um, but, uh, little did I know there was a waiting list of faculty who wanted that house. And so when I arrived, I was a persona non grata from the instant I got there. I mean, people, certain colleagues were leering at me all the time. They were disgusted. And it wasn't my fault that the school offered me that. So, but, but, you know, but because I had it, they were pissed and I, I get it. I, once I learned it, I got it. I was like, oh my gosh. And, um, you know, I, it's just puts you in an untenable situation with some people. And I fought like crazy to win back the graces or get the graces of my colleagues. And with some of them, I, it just was a fait accompli. I just, no matter what I did to try to compensate, it wasn't enough. And, um, you know, I, in their minds, I should have never gotten it over, over them. Um, that the, the school should have shown their loyalty to them and not to me, a, a newcomer. Um, not that Kyler was a newcomer, but certainly knew a newcomer to a contract of this nature. Um, and it's the contract that's the problem because of the precedence as it set. It sets the enormity of it, the weightiness of it in terms of the salary cap. Um, you know, one of the things I argued before they made this deal was how much, you know, of a burden, uh, an onus is going to put on Kyler's shoulders of having to try to live up to the enormity of the numbers that were being discussed. And I kept fighting back, like, you know, if you're going to do this contract early, it should be for a modest salary, not, you know, particularly, 
since Kyler hadn't finished one season strong in his his short career. You know, you wanted to see that at least, um, but to give too much too soon, you know, the enormity of the contract was going to be hard to live up to. And, um, you know, I mean, the expectations are through the roof when you give someone a contract like that. And, um, you know, and so, but Eric Burkhart should have been prudent enough to know that some of these incentives that were in the contract, plus the homework clause that he accepted, you know, the certain poison pills that were in it. I mean, it was like just signing to get the money without really thinking about the consequences and the ramifications and the ripple effects this was going to, going to cause and how it was going to put his client at a distinct disadvantage other than pocketing the money. You know, he had to live up to the contract. He had to somehow sell it to everyone else that I'm deserving of being paid for things that people normally aren't paid for, that people normally are expected to do that come with a job, particularly for someone who's supposed to be considered a franchise quarterback. Um, you know, I don't think when Joe Burrow gets his contract, he's going to get an incentive clause to show up for off-season activities. I just don't see that. Um, nor would, uh, you know, um, Jalen Hurts. And I mean, what we had to watch this whole season and off-season is how Jalen Hurts did everything the right way, you know, in the contract year and all that. And, um, you know, and as Jalen Hurts is in the right place mentally and philosophically, you know, whereas Kyler got some really poor advice. I'm surprised Kyler's father, who's, you know, no stranger to team sports, didn't intervene and try to speak some sense to Kyler about the, the potential, um, you know, um, <clears throat> difficulty he was going to receive um, or incur once a contract of this nature was agreed to. Um, and the whole way in which Kyler and his agent went about it, which was in my mind, um, you know, it's set Kyler up, put a bullseye on his back, which is still there. I mean, there are daily articles still about Kyler and posts and this and that. Now it's the Cardinals tanking for Caleb, you know, rumors floating around the internet, things like that, you know, it's, which is not healthy either. But what's really not healthy for the Cardinals and is the the enormous elephant in the room is Kyler's contract, the way it's structured, the way it's written, the way the, the incentives work. Um, you know, I mean, it's great to see Kyler in the building, but it does raise the question is without the incentives, would he be there? Um, and because last year, you know, he didn't show up and he hasn't had to show up virtually except for his rookie year because of COVID and the 
the compromised off season, you know, the workouts were virtual meetings basically, and everyone's working out on their own. So, you know, but it's great that Kyler's there. It's great that, you know, um, he's feeling good about Jonathan Gannon and that there's some bonding going on. I hope we're all the best with that, but here's where it affects Buddha and others on the team. Um, is that, you know, you have to go back and look at this history and to see the disparity of how, you know, Buddha's cut his teeth in the NFL to the way that Kyler has, um, in terms of, you know, and, and of thinking about contracts and commitments from the organization was that, you know, I mean, the one main thing that Buddha and Kyler have in common is they're both 5'10". Um, barely. <laughs> and Kyler is actually 10 pounds heavier, two, 207. And Buddha is 197. But in terms of their, you know, tenacity as football players, you know, um, it's hard to top Buddha Baker. I mean, and Buddha Baker is on a career path that's heading towards Canton. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, check out this resume in six years in the NFL, and he's still only 27. He's a two-time first-team All-Pro in 2017 and 2020. He's a one-time second-team All-Pro in 2021. So half of his seasons in the NFL so far, he's been All-Pro. Um, he's a five-time Pro Bowler, um, 2017, and then 2019 to 2022, every year. He's a perennial Pro Bowler. He was a consensus All-American at Washington in 2016. He was two-time first-team All-Pac-10, all um, 2015, 2016. I mean, and when you look at his career path, the pride that Buddha Baker took in cutting his teeth, NFL teeth, with his play on special teams made him special from the beginning. And in fact, if there was a rookie of the year for special teams, he would have won it because he was special teams player of the year in the NFL or in the F NFC. You know, he as a, as a rookie, he was first team all pro special team. I mean, talk about setting a tone and then, you know, and then delivering once he got in that defense, once he got his feet wet and once he got accustomed, ba-boom, made it first team all pro as a safety and the second team all pro as a safety. Um, it's, you know, and he's performed at such a high level in six seasons. Check this out, gang. He has 650 tackles. In six seasons, he has 7.5 sacks. He has six forced fumbles. He has five fumble recoveries. He has seven interceptions, 34 pass deflections, and one pick six to the house. He plays through injuries, as we saw this past season. You know, I mean, it was amazing. And he pulled, he was our Mahomes, you know, with the high ankle sprain that usually sidelines people for four four to five weeks he's right back out there playing the next game playing through pain 
And then it took a fractured shoulder to knock him out for the last two games um, of this season. But that those are game, you know, rare games that he's ever missed. Um, the fact that he had such a tremendous season two coming off of that scary um, concussion and you know knockout um, he suffered in the L.A. Rams playoff game. You know, is is, uh, is such a testament to his character. I mean, you know, especially playing that hard during a losing season. And Kyle's going to queue up the uh, Buddha Baker speech that was captured on Hard Knocks. Talk about someone emerging as a leader. And in my opinion, he's the face of our franchise. He has to be. I mean, he is, he does every, he's our Jalen Hurts. He does everything the right way. He showed up at OTAs last year when others, you know, so many teammates weren't saying that he wanted to be there to help the younger players. He gets the big picture. He understands. That's why this is such an anomaly to see him staying away. But I'm going to get to that because this is not strictly about the money. It's about the principle of what he's seeing in the building and what the, you know, what the, the way the Cardinals have been trending and doing their business, which now there's a chance decent chance they can recover from um, if they continue down the path that Monty Asenfort and Dave Sears have started to, to, um, to pave um, by building this thing through the draft and by not taking on, you know, um, untenable contracts. I mean, <clears throat> ask yourself this, would Monty Asenfort have ever agreed to, Kyler's contract. What we know about him thus far is there isn't a chance in hell he would agree to that contract. And so much of it he would object to. I mean, it would have to have been done against his will by Michael Bidwell. And, you know, it's still a head scratcher to me how Bidwell succumbed to the, you know, pressure that Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury were putting on him to to get Kyler his bag under all those circumstances where, you know, if all you have to do is think of the reasons for the contract, you know, the uh, homework clause. I mean, that's one of the most absurd things I've ever, ever seen in, in any professional sport is signing a guy to the second richest contract in NFL history. And then, 
providing a homework clause with it. I mean, this just is, is, is a metaphor for the ambiguity that an ambivalence that Michael Bigwell had in, in delivering on this contract, plus all of the, the negativity of dealing with a bully agent who took his, his pleas to social media um, and put a bullseye on his, on his client's back. Um, you know, all that is just so regrettable. I mean, the way that it all transpired. I mean, you're also going back to, and we have to keep talking about this. I'm sorry, because it's very, very important to a, a, a couple of just horrible decisions by Kyler Murray in the Rams game, aside from his play, which was, you know, the arguably the worst game football game he's ever played. Now he's up against a formidable defense, but the Cardinals, you know, Cardinals should have been way better than what they were. You can blame everybody under the sun. You know, Vance Joseph did his thing in that game too with, you know, Cliff didn't have a great game plan clearly, or he wasn't in sync with Kyler and the play calling. And then, Vance decided he would shake things up and take Simmons and Collins off the field in a playoff game. It's just unbelievable. I mean, so there were so many things wrong about the Cardinals' approach to the game. Um, and to think of how avoidable it could have been if the Cardinals just had won one more game of the five games they were favored in but lost down the stretch to then have the home game themselves, and it wouldn't have been against the Rams. So... I mean, it was just a colossal meltdown on the Cardinals' part. And, you know, Kyler's just part of that. But it was noticeably Kyler, Kyler's worst game as a, as a football player, not just as a pro. Um, and, you know, for Kyler, two things stand out. I mean, the, the, still the vision of Kyler and Colt McCoy and one of the coaches, I think it was Turner, sitting on the bench while the rest of the team was kneeling and praying for Buda Baker as he was being um, uh, put on a gurney and wheeled into an, ambu an L.A. ambulance is just mind-blowing. I mean, if you're Buda Baker, you see that. How how could you possibly justify it? I mean, there is no, no justification whatsoever for that. I mean, if you're ever going to be a part of a team, you know, the, the time to do it the most is when it's under the most duress. And when one of your brothers has fallen and you're sitting miles away on a bench with assistant coach and the, the uh, QB2. I mean, that was an egregious decision on Kyler's part. And then just as egregious was refusing to go back into the game. I mean, you know, the, the symbolic aspect of that, and people have argued that's the day that, that Kyler quit on the Cardinals and quit on his teammates. And, for those of you who still think that Kyler is beloved in the amongst his teammates, 
Um, he's not. He's not. I can tell you this for a fact. I've heard it from multiple sources on the inside. They're still leery of him. They don't know what to expect. Um, and I think that you've probably heard by now some of the things that were going on. I had a, a pundit who you all know and trust and love tell me verbatim that Kyler was um, consistently late to the building last year and late to meetings, not just once or twice, consistently after getting his bag. All right. Maybe they didn't have an incentive clause to show up on time. Um, that's why when you saw Buda Baker and JJ Watt appealing to players to work harder and be more professional, this and that, in part, they were speaking to Kyler. You know? um, JJ Watt on hard knocks uh, for the last for the Denver preparation for the Denver game with Colt McCoy starting was imploring the team don't be late to meetings um you know why is he doing that and uh Kyler wasn't the only one Hollywood Brown others were not being professional um and uh you know it was obvious and the amount of buy-in or lack of buy-in was obvious so you know the fact that and then comes this off and then so so basically you know Kyler created a schism in the locker room with his antics, you know, not praying for Buddha with the rest of the team and not refusing to go back in the game. I mean, and then sort of acting like, you know, um, he wanted no part of this. Uh, you know, it turned a lot of people off who were already a little turned off at the fact that they've, consistently believed that Kyler was, you know, given too much too soon and given red cropper treatments and double standards that, that most of the players don't have or don't get and felt like he needed to earn that as a young player. Um, and there's validity to that. All right. But I mean, despite all that, I mean, Kyler won rookie of the year um, deserved to, I, in my opinion, that was, you know, good showing for him in his first year. He got to two Pro Bowls. But the Pro Bowl is has not been kind to the Cardinals. <laughs> not in the least. I mean, I, you know, think of all the guys who wound up at the Pro Bowl who have, it, have had a change of attitude going back to the Cardinals after that game. <laughs> you know, like I always joke to my classes uh you know that hey you know guys if if uh you're on a double date and your two dates go to the ladies room expect to change an attitude when they get back <laughs> it's so often the case now it can work in your favor like you get the you know seal of approval or it can be a bummer <laughs> like you know, in the bathroom, it's like, what in the world are you doing and seeing in this guy? You know, but it's been that way for the Pro Bowl for the Cardinals and in the bummer part, because clearly, I mean, the 
the pattern of this has been that the guys go there, some of which to try to resurrect or try to, you know, get back into playing well after tough seasons like Pat P did the year he made that interception when he coming off one of his worst years as a pro. And then what Kyler did after, you know, um, playing in arguably the, you know, putting forth the worst performance of his football career. You know, he played pretty well in that Pro Bowl and had something to prove. But when they get to the Pro Bowl, I mean, guys are talking. I mean, Tyran Matthew will tell you everything you need to know about the snakes in the grass and the Cardinals. And, you know, I think that, that the Cardinals players who show up there get more shit than probably anyone um, from Pro Bowl players like <laughs> and get laughed at. You know, why are you a part of that joke organization, you know, and, and uh, what in the world's going on there and this and that. And, and, and plus the, the jive, the jive that, you know, you should see it on the Chiefs, man. You know, that's a championship culture. Arizona's a joke. You know, like the grass is always greener and this and that. And, you know, I think that, you know, look at how many guys coming back from a Pro Bowl asked to be traded or, you know, I, I happen to know from a very reliable two sources that Kyler wanted to be traded um, when he was scrubbed his socials. I mean, he wanted to play with C.D. Lamb. You know, C.D. Lamb was the only, you know, guy he kept on his, you know, photo of. Um, and, you know, so how many of them have indirectly or directly asked to be traded? Pat P., Chandler Jones... David Johnson, <laughs> um, you know, or holding out or this and that. Um, and uh, although Johnson couldn't uh, participate because of his knee, um, so he's lesser of one. But also, um, you know, um, so Pat P and Chandler Jones. And, you know, the, they too, in those following a Pro Bowl year, scrubbed their socials. And, uh, you know, made it clear they wanted out of Arizona. Um, so what we need in Arizona is a total change in culture to where the dysfunction has to stop. And we get guys like Adrian Wilson and Larry Fitzgerald who are loyal and dedicated and have the hope of changing the our are in there to help change the or enact change in the organization to where, you know, and it's no coincidence that the two of them led the Cardinals to help lead the Cardinals to their only Super Bowl, and their loyalty was fierce. Um, yes, they were both paid and paid handsomely, but they earned that. But they didn't, you know, scrub their, their socials or make a big stink or, you know, they, they weren't high maintenance, put it that way, neither one of them. They were low maintenance guys who went ready to buckle up and play hard and practice hard and come into camp in shape and dedicate themselves to being the best at what they do. And both of them were, you know, perennial pro, role, pro bowlers and, you know, considered in the top couple of, 
you know, of in their position groups, top three, top four um, in their position groups. And that's what we have in Buda Baker. And I think that sadly, the way he's been treated, um, you know, by the Cardinals, kind of snubbed for being the face of the organization, which he should be by now, hands down. Um, yes, they paid him a four-year, $59 million contract. Um, in, in, he's the only one who got a premature, you know, a contract before his, his rookie contract came up a year before. And he got $33 million out of it, making him the highest paid or one of the highest paid safeties in the NFL. Since then, safety numbers have risen. But in Buddha's case, you know, the, the guaranteed money, that's gone now. When Steve Kahn did this deal with Buddha, it was a wink, wink, we'll redo you once the, you know, the guaranteed money, um, exp you know, runs out. I mean, so Monty Asenfort didn't inherit this contract. I don't know if Monty would have done it this way either. Um, probably not. Um, and when has Michael Bidwell ever gone back on his word when it comes to contract talks? I mean, he would never do such a thing, wink, wink. <laughs> yep. So, and it's the same thing with Hopkins, you know. I mean, that Hopkins was a sweetheart deal with the understanding that in 2023 we, we'll talk again. So, you know, um, I mean, Hopkins has his own issues. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to talk more about him today. But but uh, that's the way Steve Kimes set these contracts up. And, you know, in, in either case, it was either going to be a fish or cut bait dis discussion and, um, you know, Fisher trade bait discussion. Um, and, um, you know, so, you know, from the contract standpoint, Buddha wants to, that conversation that he was, he was pretty much assured of when he signed that deal. But also, you know, looking at how the organization is now handicapped um, by Kyler's contract. I mean, you know, and the fact that no player has been catered to more than Kyler Murray. I mean, during the, the coaching search and everything, that was the hot topic. Is Kyler going to be a part of the decision? They weren't saying, is Buddha going to be a part of the decision? They're saying, is Kyler going to be? Remember when uh, Monty Ossenfort was asked at his opening presser um, about, are you going to hire a coach who will be good for Kyler? And Austin Ford said, I want to hire a coach who will be good for all the players. Uh, he won serious points um, on that one for me, certainly, and I think from others. Um, but, you know, everyone's like, you got to, the coaching, everybody they, they hire now has got to be the perfect guy for Kyler. And, you know, again, so, you know, you're talking about an organization that has – has committed to Kyler Murray in ways that Kyler has not reciprocated well enough yet. And also in ways that have left people out. I mean, I go back to, and I'm sure this sticks in Buddha's craw. I go back to 2020 
when um, the day came out of the captains announced. And I mean, I got immediately on Twitter and was like the most, most deserving guy for captain wasn't even on the list. His name is Buddha Baker. And fans were writing me back, oh, Buddha's too quiet. He can't be a captain. I was like, oh, come on. Are you kidding me? I mean, first of all, example means something. Larry wasn't the bigger, biggest chatterbox either. But leading by example is important. Plus, I mean, here's a guy who came in, you know, I mean, look at him. Instead, this has been a problem with the Cardinals culture. Is the players elect, you know, it's like a popularity contest. Contest. It's not with any seriousness of who captains are. You know, and it wasn't until Chandler Jones got hurt in week five that Cliff Kingsbury announced that um, they're going to promote Buddha as captain in Chandler's place. And, you know, it was just such an oversight. It was such an obvious oversight to me of how wrong the Cardinals, you know, um, philosophies are of who's a captain. Like, in my opinion, they have way too many captains. It's sort of like giving everybody a trophy or whatever in soccer. Um, you know, and it's just over, it's just overdone. And I don't think done with a lot of, um, you know, for, a, if it were me last year, the three captains on the team would have been um, James Connor on offense, JJ Watt or, and Buda Baker on defense. And, oh, and then on special teams, Dennis Gardeck. Um, so the four captains, that's it. That's it. I mean, you know, um, they're the toughest players. Um, they're the ones that show up. They weren't skipping OTAs. And they were trying to develop a culture in the weight room, around the building, you know. So um, that's what, a, what a, I, in my opinion, should have been. But Buda Baker, by 2020, should have been an automatic captain um and you know instead you know i i don't want to go back through the defensive guys they had you know hicks and peterson ahead of buddha i i just don't it's just unfathomable to me but um because of you know buddha's lead not because of them per se but because of what buddha brings to the table versus other people and this is where i'm i'm praying the cardinals get this right because you know buddha's 27 years old he's a fighter he has done everything the right way and it would mean a lot to the people in that building the players if buddha was taken care of um and and he's been emphasized that he's, as Monty Asimfort said when he was hired, that Buddha represents everything this organization stands for. So make him the face that he deserves to be. You know, get him in here and make him the guy. I mean, you know, like I said, we're going to queue up 
Buddha's speech to the team. I mean, it was the most riveting part of Hard Knocks, in my opinion. Um, and if you look at the, the players who emerged on Hard Knocks, again, it was Connors, it was Buddha, it was J.J. Watt, you know? I mean, they were the ones who tried to, you know, do everything they could to keep fighting and playing and, and never giving up. Um, you know, they were clearly all in when a lot of others were not in much, you know, so, but see, the thing is Kyler can change and improve, but unless the contract changes, it's not, this is going to be the albatross around the organization's neck um, for a number of reasons. Um, you know, at this point, I mean, Kyler's not going to renegotiate a contract or whatever, but and at this point too is there will be a market for Kyler once he gets healthy. So, you know, I think that the Cardinals will receive some trade offers um, if they can't, you know, they have to deal with this contract. But in terms of precedent, in terms of team morale, and in terms of rebuilding a culture, this is why a Buddha Baker can't, cannot coexist with Kyler Murray because of the special treatments that Kyler Murray has gotten, as some would argue, undeservingly and way too soon. Um, and with Buddha being the one player that the Cardinals have ripped up a contract after three, you know, three years of a rookie deal, who has actually exceeded the expectations that came with the contract. I mean, to the point now where Buddha deserves another contract now. He deserves it. He's earned it. I mean, uh, go back to that resume. And go back to the fact he's the only player on the team right now heading towards Canton. And, you know, also, it's his personality. He's he's charismatic. I mean, he's the kind of guy you want to be the face of your franchise. He's lovable. I mean, he's also, you know, inspirational in the manner in which he plays. And built most of all, he's unlike what the Cardinals have been. He's consistent. I mean, you don't get, you know, five Pro Bowls in six years and three All-Pro um, awards in six years by not being consistent. And I just went through the stats with you. I mean, 650 tackles in six years. What does that tell you? I mean, about Buda Baker. And he doesn't, he, he'll play through pain. He'll play, you know, you have to, basically he has to fracture his shoulder to get him out of the lineup. And in that game, he played with it for, I think, a whole quarter. Um, I think it was the Tampa Bay game. Unbelievable. It's just, it's just unbelievable um, that, he now is the one person away from the building 
now that Hopkins is gone, when he's the he's the should be face of the of the of the program um, of the organization of the franchise right now. And I don't know how they're going to do it, but you know, Buddha has said he's coming back. Can't wait to see the guys. You know, um, but I imagine that Buddha has had some conversations about the direction of the football team. And for him to come back saying he will do it with a smile on his face, I imagine that, that those conversations for him have gone pretty well. So we don't know what they are, but I think there has been some assurances of changes that are going to be made. And that down the line, what they're, what they're trying to accomplish that would jive with a guy with a, you know, a baller, like, like Buddha Baker. I mean, there's, there's some talent on this football team. I think that Buddha, you know, sees it. I know that he sees it and it's untapped in some areas, but I think that he's, it wouldn't take much to get him excited about leading this team to a new chapter in Cardinals football. That's the kind of player he is. But in the interim, would he, you know, I mean, if things weren't, I mean, if changes, key changes aren't going to be made, I think he had every right to want to, you know, be traded. Um, but hopefully, I mean, cooler heads have prevailed and the right kind of conversations have been had with Buddha, Buddha to give him the assurances of what to expect and how they're going to go about changing this thing and how it could come sooner rather than later. So again, it's, you know, it's, it's, I think Buddha was, has been staying away out of principle more than the money. Although the money's part of the principle because he was pretty much, you don't structure a contract like that for a Buddha Baker without revisiting it when the guaranteed money, um, is gone. You just don't, or you're asking for trouble. And the Cardinals made Pat Peterson play his out without guarantees. And they made Chandler Jones play his out without guarantees. And neither one of them left here in good, good terms with the organization. Um, and neither one of them left on a really splendid note playing wise. They both underachieved in their final seasons. Um, with the team, and I, that had a lot to do with morale um, and being cautious about, you know, they had to be try to, without guaranteed money, they're playing without a safety net. So, you know, there are, there's that aspect to it as well. But, uh, you know, like I said in the beginning, I mean, if Kyler could do this all over again, I bet you he would he wouldn't have done it this way. Um, and I I want to give him the benefit of some of the doubts on that, um, because Kyler was led into the lion's den, um, into a wasp nest nest, um, and partly of his own doing, and maybe naivete. Um, being new to this kind of stuff and at times just kind of passive aggressive, you know, um, 
off the field behavior. Um, so, you know, but I think that, you know, the money is nice and being incentivized to just take, take a part in what normal players take a part in. I mean, everyone gets a workout bonus pretty much, but it's not in the millions. Okay. You know, it's like a $100,000 bonus or 200 at the most. It's not a, not a million. Um, so yeah, that there's, there's the double standards that have to somehow be addressed by Monty Asenfort and by Dave Sears. And until that happens, we're still going to have um, a morale split on the team. And, you know, um, and that, that's the thing we got to try to attack now um, is the perception outside of the building that has been, you know, prompted Pro Bowl players to rank on Cardinals when they show up. And that's what's got to change. Um, how, how they're going to treat contracts and players and the fairness that they're going to show and how they're going to, you know, um, eliminate the double standards of, you know, some of which Hopkins brought when he said, you know, brought his, like, I, I know my body. I know when I can practice and when I can't. Um, that was tough. I mean, Bill O'Brien had a problem with that in Houston and, the Cardinals execs in front office never expressed a problem with that, but it showed up on the field at times when he was out of sync with the quarterbacks. And, you know, I, it's just, it's put it this way. It's in typical, um, typically strong football cultures. That component does not exist. It's team first and you do, everyone does his part to help the team win. And that doesn't mean not participating. It means full participation as much as you can, um, given what you've got. And so, I mean, Hopkins created his own set of double standards that, you know, um, made it all the more difficult to watch what, you know, his demise over the last year. I mean, I'll never forget that Patriots game with the Belichick loving DeAndre on the hot, on the sidelines and, you know, watching that whole exchange and going, thinking to myself, Oh my goodness, this is, this is bizarre. <laughs> and looks like a recruiting ploy. Talk about tampering without offering anything yet. And um, and then, you know, in a tie game and teams fighting its butt off, having lost Kyler already, but but you know, in that game, uh, for Hopkins to fumble that ball, holding it like a loaf of bread, um, after a short reception, um, which then opened a floodgate for the Patriots and broke open a close game. Um, I just. I was so fed up at that moment. I just was just like, you know what? 
you know, right then I was hoping to the, the Cardinals could find a way out of the, you know, the Hopkins situation. I was hoping like you, many of you were for a trade, but, but, you know, when you do stuff like that and you just kind of, you know, and then, you know, his contract demands, um, you know, if you noticed he didn't hire an agent until after the Cardinals released him, you know, this guy's slick. Um, he's a manipulator and he's gotten it so far exactly the way that he's wanted it. See, there was no way he was going to play for the Cardinals um, without guaranteed money. None. And the Cardinals didn't really want him back either. I mean, Mon no. Monty Austin Fort gave him the opportunity to find a trade right. partner. And then by the time OTAs right. came around, he wasn't coming back. Right. And again, if you're Buda Baker, I mean, you're playing, giving everything you had to that season down to fracturing your shoulder with two weeks to go. And Hopkins takes the last two weeks off. I, I, I mean, and, and disappears, by the way. I mean, it wasn't just like taking the weeks off. He didn't show up at the games. Um, and, I mean, talk about quitting on the team. I mean, so two years in a row, you know, people are complaining, no big deal about Kyler missing the last two snaps of the Rams game. It was a big deal. It's a big deal to the grown men that play this game because that's not something you do unless the coach takes you out, which he hadn't done. And you take it like a man and you take it like a professional, and, but you're with your teammates. So twice in that game, it wasn't happening with Kyler. Um, and the, you know, incident with, you know, not being with the team during Buddha's, um, transport uh, out of the stadium. Um, you know, uh, so this is what's happening and guys quitting. I go back to Terrell Suggs. I mean, you know, this, this kind of thing has got to stop. I mean, this kind of, well, we'll just play when we want. I'll just practice when we want. Um, what Monty Ossifort and Dave Sears are doing now is they've got a quotient on the kind of players that they think they can turn this around and it's exciting and, um, you know, it's, it's worth supporting. And so, and I thought all along they were going to release him because you just can't, I'm so happy they didn't just prolong the agony on this and, have it sitting over the coaches' heads and the organization for the next few months, um, and the drama continuing. They ripped off the band-aid, and yes, it cost them the money, and they plan for this, and they're going to absorb the hit this year to be cap-free of of Hopkins for next year in 2024, when they're going to need the most cap space they can get. So I. I Kudos. See, this these are good. This is a really positive step in the right direction for changing the culture. And then you draft a guy like Paris Johnson Jr., who comes in here with a passion and a love of the game. And it's infectious and a love for the Cardinals and the fact that they drafted him is just wonderful. And so and the guys that they they drafted this year have that in common. So you know, Catrell Clark is loving it, loving that the Cardinals picked. I mean, so this is good, and they got to stack this. But they also have to deal with 
the kind of contracts that are prohibitive um, and the kind of cultural um, deficiencies that they've, you know, and dysfunctions they've had in the past and ameliorate those deficiencies, that's on their agenda. And so far, I have to give Austin Fort, I think Austin Fort and Sears are the MVPs of this year so far. Um, they're doing things right. And it'll be interesting to see how they treat this Buddha situation. Like I said, I I'm getting the sense that there have been productive conversations. I mean, Jonathan Gannon said that, oh, Buddha's been great. And, when we're, you know, he's wearing us out. Um, we're studying tape and stuff. So, you know, in this case, you hope it's not a smokescreen and hope it's a reality that the real face and top dog of our organization is back on the field and in the buildings and leading this team um, in what can, could become the most exciting chapter of Cardinals history if they can build this right and sustain it, which which um, the Cardinals have flashed, as we've known, for two or three years every now and then and then can't sustain it. This time around with a savvy GM and a, and a savvy assistant GM um, who have I been – trying to promote as president and GM for next year, um, team president, so we can keep them both. Good things can happen. Great things can happen. And it's exciting. And, you know, it's worth, it's worth paying attention to as we, we keep, uh, you know, looking forward to this season and um, looking forward to seeing the product on the field. So that's the thought. I mean, they'd have to do something about Kyler and have to do a you know, I just don't think that Kyler can do anything about the contract now. Um, and, you know, and I don't know how, if you still got that contract, I don't know how he's going to possibly live up to it. I would love to see him do it. Love to see an attitude change. I mean, players can, you know, can take concessions and, you know, he's got the power to do whatever he wants with this. Um, the only thing I question is whether deep down inside he he kind of like wants what Hopkins wants, <laughs> which I had to laugh out loud. A stable organization, check. A quarterback who cares as much about football as I do. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, and, and, you know, and a great defense. You know, and those are the things, interestingly, um, that I think Kyler was looking at when he was wanting to go to the Cowboys or or um, Broncos, <clears throat> was that they had those components. Kyler's included a great wide receiver core, which the Broncos have, very talented wide receiver core. So I just don't know if deep down in Kyler's own mind, He's thinking, you know, I'm probably better off with a fresh start somewhere else. But we'll see how hard he digs in. We'll see if he plays this year. Um, we'll see, hopefully, um, you know, we'll see how he responds to all this and see what, you know, if he's coming at this full bore to change the narrative, to change the dialogue, to win back teammates, win their trust, win their confidence. 
um, win the coach's confidence, to be all that. And, um, you know, it wouldn't hurt to kind of look up to Buddha and, you know, get uh, some key mentoring from him. Um, I don't know if that's in Kyler's MO, but, I mean, if I were on a team and Buddha Baker's on it, I'd I'd want to be asking Buddha every question I could, um, you know, to find out what he's drinking. Um, because whatever it is, he's got it down. He's, this is a guy who pins it down and, and he delivers. And uh, it's hopefully the Cardinals will deliver on him. So, uh, thanks for joining us. What was this, Kyle? Episode 105? Episode 105. Do you have any parting words for our... You know what? Our- I actually do, because you brought up something during the show that I thought was interesting, and I wanted to uh, preface this, because I started looking it up, because you said Buda Baker's got the best chance of anyone on this team to make the Hall of Fame. And that's something that I had never considered before. So I started uh, comparing his career to some other players through uh, seven seasons. And the player I found that was the most comparable to Buda Baker in terms of tackles and all pro teams and some of the numbers on StatMuse, the first seven years of his career are very similar to Eric Weddle, formerly of the Chargers and the Ravens. And yep. uh, Eric Weddle made the 2010 All-Decade team. So right. for reference, people, everyone who made the 1990s All-Decade team is now in the Hall of Fame. So by that standard, uh-huh. Buda Baker and Eric Weddle both might have a chance of making the Hall of Fame. I think Buda's got some work to do because, you know, Weddle played 14 years and made an all, uh, one All-Pro team in his 30s. But you... you piqued my interest on that is that Buda Baker does actually have a pretty good chance of making the hall of fame. And it wasn't it Weddle who came out of retirement to play for the Rams. Yeah. I think he, um, that wasn't the year they won the super bowl. I'm trying to remember. Maybe it it was was. the year. Maybe. Yeah. It was the year they won the super bowl. You're right. Uh, Weddle played. Yep. He retired. And then, uh, retired in 2019 and then came back for the playoffs in 2021 and won the Super Bowl. Yeah, he made some good plays too, as I recall. Yeah, mm-hmm. Weddle was a Johnny on the spot. You know, it's it's a good comparison. Um, you know, and, and neither Weddle or Buddha were ideally physical, ideal physical prototypes for the position either. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so. I mean, that in itself, but their tenacity, their anticipation. I mean, no one in the NFL runs the alley to make tackles the way Buda Baker does. No one. And no one has struck more fear and trepidation in the minds of tight ends crossing over the middle or or slot receivers than Buda Baker. Just ask... Um, the guys on the 49ers, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. I mean, they they were on when Buddha was like 
I think Buddha was 19th on the all NFL team last year. Mm-hmm. Um, which is quite a stunning achievement for a Cardinal to begin with, you know, and be in the top 20. He's 19th. When they do those, the little videos that go with it, um, they, the 49ers guys to a man, even Kyle Juice checked the, uh, um, the, the fullback was like, you got to know where boot is. You got to know where boot is. You got to know. <laughs> so yeah. better know where boot is and get him home and get this done. He's our guy. He's our dog. Um, uh, just, I want to throw some stats out before we go about this yeah. because, uh, so through their first seven seasons, which Weddle was a year older when he got to the NFL. So he would have been 28 at this point, right. but Buddha's 27. So through seven years of their NFL career, in terms of career tackles by a safety, Weddle's fourth, Buddha's fifth. Weddle had made three all-pro teams. Buddha had made three all-pro teams. Now, there's a little bit of a difference there because Buddha made one as a special teamer. But on the other hand, Buddha's numbers last year were better than his numbers in 2021. But for some reason, he made an all-pro team in 21, but didn't make it in 22. Maybe yeah, because the Cardinals record. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But his well, numbers were across the board better last year than they were in 2021. But he didn't make all-pro. So they're about three and three. Buddha's had a weird journey to get there, but three all-pro teams to three all-pro teams. And yeah, aren't you saying through seven years? Through seven years of their career, yeah. Yeah, well, Buddha hasn't played a seventh year yet. Are you sure? Wasn't he drafted in 2017? Yeah. He's played six years. Did he miss a season? Because No. But, 17, by my 18, math, 19, 20, 21, and 22. Oh, you're right. That's a good point. He's only so played you, six seasons and didn't start. Numbers, I bet he's ahead of Weddle. Yeah, he's about 30 tackles behind Weddle with one less season. I don't know if Weddle had injuries in there, but you're right. He's about 30 right. tackles behind him with one season to go. Now, the only key difference is Weddle finished his career with 29 interceptions, and Buddha right now, I think, is at like seven. But besides right. the point, I think yeah. Buddha's a more aggressive tackler, and uh, Buddha's numbers stack up with most middle linebackers, which is pretty I impressive. Know. So he'll pass Weddle at some point this year in tackles, assuming good health, because he's right. only about 30 behind him. Right. Yeah, good point. Um, I'm really glad you did those numbers, because if, if we did it through six, I think Buddha's, you know, Right up there with, I mean, what about with with uh, uh, who's the ultimate safety on the Chargers? Um, Derwin James. Uh, what is look up his numbers? What are his? What is, now he's missed a bunch of games. Yeah, Derwin he James. he missed an entire season one year, so yeah. he's only played four years. But through four years, he's got. Well, no, it's not even four years because he only played five games in his second season. Right. But he's got career high in combined tackles at 118. Buddha's career high is 147. Uh -oh. uh, but Buddha's career average is, doing quick math, about 108. 
You know, yep. it's between 108 and 109. Yep. Derwin's career average is about. Well, if you take out the, if we just say his three full seasons, if we take out the year he only played five games, his career average is about 111. Okay. Pretty comparable in terms of combined tackles. Right. How many interceptions does he have? Career seven. Same as Buddha. Same as Buddha. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, in those, everyone's talked about him as a generational talent at safety. And he's more of the prototype. Um, you know, he has Adrian Wilson's size. Um, and, and, you know, attack mode type of player. Um, yeah, so, but Buddha's been such a model of consistency. That's the thing about him. It's, and I think this year, in heart, you know, in the fact of how hard he played, uh, you know, in a year where clearly the Cardinals were, were awful um, and how he sustained his effort and tried to lift the players up to win every week. His mantra is, let's go 1-0. Each week, I love that about him. That's the perfect mentality. Let's let's put everything we have into this week and deal about next week, next week. But this week, let's do everything we can to go one or no. And that's a guy who does everything he can. And I'm just praying that the Cardinals uh, have a plan with him moving forward as the face of our program. Um, so also he, I looked it up here for you. So in six in first six seasons of a career, Buda Baker second all time in tackles among safeties. Yep. Who's first? Number one. It's a little bit of a surprise. I wasn't expecting this. Lawyer Malloy of the Patriots. Oh, he's awesome. One. He's in the hall, isn't he? It, I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame, but I think he's no. uh he's in the Patriots Ring of Honor. Yeah. Uh, nope. He's not a not a Hall of Famer, but he's All in right. the Patriots Ring of Honor. Well, I'm not sure Lawyer Malloy sustained his for as long as you know. He made made two career All Pro teams. Right. Yep. Yeah, he was good. I can tell you that he was really good. I think he's, uh, you know, a. a deserving nominee for for the hall of fame i'd have to look at it a little more closely um i think towards the end his play really did sort of tail but um but for a while there for about five years he was you know right in there with the best safeties in the game and and i think he's got a a ring or two to prove it so yep he's got one championship with the patriots and made four pro bowl teams two all pros and is a member of the patriots ring of honor at least yeah very highly regarded here in new england i can tell you that um, you know that's his devin mccourty who's i think he's headed to canton um i have little doubt in my mind about him (laughs) i mean that'd be interesting to to track devin mccourty's numbers um, and match them up to to Buddhas. Let's um, see. I playing can... in a different program, but you know, in a similar role. 
McCordy was do it all. McCordy's got a unique career because he actually has somehow more all pros than Pro Bowls, which is interesting. He's made three all pro teams, but only two Pro Bowls. That is interesting. Right. Uh Career finished just below Lawyer Malloy in career uh, tackles. He's at 971. Lawyer Malloy finished at 1,072, I believe. How many years did McCourty play? Devin McCourty played, let's see, four, five, six, uh, 13 seasons. And also only missed, if I'm doing the math correctly, I want to say five games his entire career unbelievable yep yep well he was a mainstay and uh just he was the kind of safety if you watch the coach's film i mean the kind of plays that he prevented that no one would ever even know because the ball never came that his way um he's just so savvy um one of the greatest uh, draft picks in, in Patriots history by far. I mean, the mileage they got out of him, just uh, tremendous. Um, yeah, he's, I, I would be shocked if he's not in the Hall of Fame one day. Might be tough for him because, like you said, the ball didn't come his way all as much, and there were a lot of great players on that Patriot defense because for the prime of his career, he only averaged about 86 tackles a season. Which is yeah, but on that defense, right? Yeah, um, yeah. There's context to that, I'm sure. Yeah, because for sure, you know, he was on some very good defenses. I mean, some of the numbers get skewed because you know safeties with big tackling numbers often are on teams that don't tackle for shit. You know, <laughs> um, and and so. You know, the, the, where the ball carriers are in the second, beyond the second level already, but, you know, um, too often, like was the case with the Cardinals. Um, and um, so, but yeah. Um, yeah. McCordy's going to have an uphill battle to get to the Hall of Fame, but. You think? Yep. Just looking at the numbers, looking at the all pros although like buddha his best statistical season he didn't make all pro um the difference also eric weddle has uh just looking at back here eric weddle has three first team all pros buddha has two first team all pros uh, devin mccordy's got zero so it's it's gonna be an uphill battle for him how many um ranks does he have he has all three of the second patriots dynasty so the one against the Seahawks, the one against the Falcons, the one against the Rams. He won all three of those. Cha-ching. I think that <laughs> that's the most important stat. I mean, he helped. He was an undisputed leader of a defense that helped win championships. So, And that was regarded as such. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would tell you this right now. If Bill Belichick were asked, if, if Devin McCourty deserved um, to be in the Hall of Fame, there'd be no hesitation. And Bill Belichick is arguably the best defensive coach in NFL history. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, he knows what he's talking about. See, it's sometimes 
the player that's least noticed in a secondary is actually the best. And the other thing he has working for him is I can't think of anyone else on those Patriots teams that would be more qualified for the Hall of Fame than him. Right. Not even Donta Hightower, I think. Well, maybe Hightower, right. Hightower would be up there, but beyond that, very good. I mean, Vrabel. But Vrabel wasn't there for the second dynasty, the the quote unquote second second, dynasty. Yeah, Yeah, I'm talking about this. You know the quote unquote second dynasty. If there were the the two thousands teams and the two thousand tens teams, I don't think right. that obviously Brady and Gronkowski are going to get in the Hall of Fame. But on the defensive side, I can't really think of anyone on those teams that would qualify as a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Other than McCourty, oh, right? I mean, he was the the glue, especially on that back end. I mean, we're where the Patriots are so good, typically. For the first run, didn't Ty Law get into the Hall of Fame a couple of years yeah. ago? Yeah, yep, he did. Yep, and I thought he was deserving. I would say between Lawyer Malloy and Devin McCourty, McCourty would have the edge for the Hall of Fame. I think the numbers agree with you. Even though Lawyer Malloy had more career tackles and actually played, I think, two or three less seasons than McCourty. I think I would agree with you. McCourty's got the better claim. They're both really good. I mean, they both have a case, I think. Um, But, yeah, I mean, not too many people come to the Cardinals and make five Pro Bowls in six years. That's very Larry (laughs) Fitzgerald-esque. And... um, you know, it's a stunning achievement. And Buddha does it without all the fan. You know, he's as low maintenance as they get. Um, he does things the right way. Like I said, he's like the Jalen Hurts um, of defense defenders. He just is there to win, to do things right, to be a great teammate, to sacrifice for the team. And that's what it takes. I mean, you know, um, play through some injuries for the sake of the team, um, be there for the younger players, you know, all that matters and um, to him a lot. And it's strange to see him not there, but I get it this time. With this one, I totally get it because, you know, um, I think that it's, it's as much on principle as it is on the contract. And I think they're both tied in together, but, but the principal, he needed, felt he needed to make this kind of a statement. But as I've sort of been been um, sensing, I think that conversations have been made that are um, are encouraging for Buddha, and of course for all of us who appreciate him and, and want him to be the face of our um, franchise. Um, he's the one who deserves it (laughs) and uh god there's no one like buddha and kyle's gonna insert the the uh speech the now um famous speech from hard knocks from buddha um i had goosebumps watching it the first time i I, practically every time i just watched it again this morning um that's a guy i want in my building i know i think we all share in that right 
let's make sure this happens, Cardinals fans. Let's let's. Uh, this is the guy we we don't want to lose. Um, and um, pretty excited about things moving forward if we can hang on to him. So anyway, Kyle, thanks so much as always for your contributions um, and for your great uh, um, co-hosting of this of this podcast and um to all to all of you cardinal fans uh you know um thanks a lot for your your support and um i hope that uh i'll be able to converse with you on twitter at wbj mitchell and at revenge of the birds.com where i'll be posting this this podcast and in the meantime may the red rain of Playoff confetti shower down on you into the red, red sea. Red rain. We need to step the f up. All of us. All of us. Step the f up. Work harder. F recover. Watch more film. I'm tired of losing. It hurts my heart. I'm tired of losing at home. We need to get this together.